We'd like to, I'd like to take you through God's word for today and I would like to share something with you that I believe will be helpful for your spiritual growth. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23 verse 25 to 28. Matthew chapter 23 verse 25 to 28. It says like this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 26 says like this, Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. Verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. Verse 28, in the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now these are not very sweet verses to hear <laughs> but Jesus you know, has a confrontation with the Pharisees. He's, he's confronting the Pharisees of their lifestyle. He's saying, telling them, you look great on the outside, you look good on the outside, but who are you on the inside? You're just as dirty. And in fact, in verse 27, Jesus takes it up a notch. He says, you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In verse 26, the previous verse says, first clean inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. You see, our outward appearance is always connected to how we are on the inside. Our outward actions is always connected to how we are on the inside. Now the Pharisees tried to portray a different kind of life to Jesus. But Jesus is the God, and he's the same one who spoke, saying, Man sees on the outside, but God sees through the hypocrisy. God sees through everything. You see, in our relationships, when we come in touch with people, and you know, when we meet people, and when we have friendships and all that, we see the outside. You know, we see the kind of person they are. We see the kind of characteristics and attitude that they have. But God is the one who sees the inside first. Because who they are on the inside is what they truly are as a person, okay? Nobody can live a double lifestyle for too long, okay? Because eventually the inside, the dirt will come out. Uh, that's how it's going to be. So when we think of people, when we think of relationships, and when we look at the Bible, the Bible calls us to avoid having friendships or relationships with certain people. And when we look at the Pharisee, they're one of the prime examples of the kind of people who do not have a proper, with whom we should have, we should not have a proper relationship. Now that may sound very unchristian. It may sound like, you know, does that <laughs> feel like, you know, it's it's a it's a Christian thing? Because I, I feel like as Christians, you know, we all have to talk to everyone, right? Talk to the bad, the good, and the ones who are right in between good and bad. We feel like we should be friends with everyone. But as we look at the Bible carefully, if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you'll get to know that God does not want us to have relationship with certain kind of people. He in fact wants us to avoid having relationship with certain kind of people. People often make this argument, you know, whenever I speak on the subject, many make this argument saying, aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? You know, Jesus, you know, had meals with sinners, with tax collectors, with the, with the rotten people of the society. He did everything. But you notice the people whom we met were ready to repent of their sin. They were not living in their sin. They were not persisting in their sinful life. When Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus, he did not go there to give him more ideas how to increase his wealth, but rather went to save him. Many times, we think that I just want to be friends with that guy and uh, I just want to lead him to salvation. But more than often what happens is they lead us in the wrong path. That's, that's what happens. So we have to be careful and we have to remind ourselves of this one truth that we are not Jesus the Messiah. 
We are just human beings and we are prone to fall. We are prone to fail. So in our life, we have to avoid certain kinds of people. So uh, I'd like to share with you on the subject called four kinds of people to avoid. Four kinds of people to avoid. You know, when I look at my life, there were times I should not have had friendships with certain people. But I did because I thought I'm a very good Christian. But I tell you, there was a big price to pay. There was a big price to pay. Because I was warned at that time, saying, don't have friendship with this person. Uh, but I continued to have. And later, many years later, many years later, after many bad experiences, I realized that this person who I really trusted and was a genuine man is now very manipulative. See, people are manipulative, deceptive, they're clever, they're cunning. And in this world, I tell you, you will find only a handful of people who are selfless. Handful of people who are sacrificial, who will, who will serve like Christ served. But most of them otherwise will always be looking at their personal agenda. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this friendship? especially being in ministry, I'm always careful with how I connect with other people in ministry. Of course, I do have friends and colleagues who are of my age and also elders who are my pastors. I do have all that. But I always think to myself that, you know, I want to be in relationship or friendship with someone where I can serve, okay? Now, I don't mind helping, but I don't like being taken advantage of. You get what I'm saying? I don't mind helping. I don't mind like going. I don't mind going the extra mile or doing something for people. But I don't like being taken advantage of. I remember in seminary there was one person who came to me and asked, uh, "Josh, do you know how to do this on the computer?" I said, "Yes." And he said, "Can you show me?" I said, "This is how we have to. Do, you have to do it." And then you know the next statement he told me is, "Since you are here, why don't you do it for me?" He should have asked, can you do it for me? But his question is, can you do this? And when I started doing, please do it for me. People are very cunning, very smart. And I tell you, you know, all my life, my teenage years, I've been deceived, manipulated, used, abused by many people. And, and, and over the years, even when I stepped into ministry, there were people who were literally manipulating me, deceiving me. And one day I realized, and I, and I, and I you know, moved away from that person, and they got very furious. They're like, oh, I've done so much for you. What does it matter? You're manipulating me. I don't want to be manipulated. I want to be friends with people who are honest. I tell you, many times we think that we have to be friends with everyone, but the more we think that way, the more we will be abused. I want young people especially to take note of this. We think that, oh, this guy is, is, is I know he's bad, but he's a good guy. You know, young people say, I know he is bad, but deep inside, he's a good person. <laughs> There's nothing like that. If he is bad on the outside, deep inside, he cannot be good. Because it's a reflection of what is on the inside. There are, there are people you know, in, in relationships. I know she is bad, I know she is this way, but she's a good person. <laughs> That's a lie. Such people don't exist. What is bad on the outside is actually much more worse on the inside. Jesus said, clean the inside first. If, if, you, want to, if you want to get better, clean your inside first. If you, if you want to take a cup, of, a cup and drink tea in it, will you wash the outside and then drink? No, your first place to clean is the inside. You put the soap inside and then you come to the outside. You know, we have common sense in that area, but when it comes to a relationship, we are like, no. He looks bad, but he's not that bad. I pray the church that we will learn to discern people. I can, I can look back at my life and say that if I had learned to discern people, if I'd learned to understood, understand who is cunning, who is manipulative, who is trying to take advantage of me, I, I could have saved a lot of headache. I could have saved a lot of headache. Because I tell you, when you go through that experience, you cannot trust people easily. Now, <laughs> I don't have trust issues. 
thankfully. I don't have trust, trust issues. But I know people who come for counseling, who've been through bad situations, bad friendships, manipulated, deceived and abused, they cannot trust another person. And you know where that affects? It affects their marriage because they have been abused and deceived for so long, they cannot trust their own spouse. The Bible clearly tells us the kind of people that we have to avoid and it is something that we have to take to heart. The Pharisees looked great on the outside. They looked like excellent scholars, religious leaders. But what did Jesus tell about them? Your inside are full of dead bones. Wow. <laughs> and everything unclean. You appear righteous but inside you're full of hypocrisy. So there's always a connection between our hearts and the outward appearance. Because if you read Matthew 12, 34, it says like this, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if your friend is bad but you think he is good, he's actually worse than you think. <laughs> Keep that in mind. I always, you know, whenever... I speak on the subject, I feel like it's important to stress, stress on friendships and relationships because so many people, so many people even go away from the Lord. Even go away from the Lord. At once upon a time, you know, they were so passionate. They could, they could go on evangelizing people. They were on fire for God. But today, they are far away from the Lord because of that one friendship, one relationship. We need to identify what goes wrong or what kind of people we have in our life. I read a story that, I, that I'd like to share with you. There's a girl who grew up and she grew up in a house that was quite abusive. Parents and parents were quite abusive. And as, as a girl growing up, she never felt loved. If you don't know about children, children need to feel that they are loved. It's, it's very important. It's part of their growth. And that is why it's very important for parents to express their love to their children. I, I remember my son, one day he came, he sat on me. I was lying on the bed. He put his pillow on me, sat on it, and he said, Daddy, tell me that you love me. I said, I love you, my son. And he was happy. Three years old, sometimes we may understand, what do they know about love? I tell you, they understand what love is. And love is something that needs to be given in a household. But in this girl's case, what happened is she grew up in a house where she didn't feel like anyone loved her. She was looking for love. Eventually, as she grew up, went to high school, as, as usual, they fell in, into a relationship. And she finally had a person who loved her. And she wanted to get married to him. But she was just 18 years old. You know, it's the people who make promises at 18 uh, tend to break. So that's not going to last. Because you don't know what you're saying at 18. Only when you're 22, your eyes really open. And you understand what relationships are. So at 18 years old, she was in a relationship with a boyfriend. And the boyfriend said, if we have to grow in love, if we have to grow the next level, we have to get physically intimate. And she really loved this man, and so she gave in to that lie. And uh, eventually, he cheated on her, and they broke up. And since this happened to her, she wanted to rebel. She wanted to uh, rebel against what happened to her. And, and her idea of rebelling was become a very wild person. So she started attending wild parties, going to crazy groups and all this. Eventually, you know, so many... Years later, she became a prostitute. She became a prostitute. And she went through so many um, dangerous situations in life, raped at gunpoint. She was abused, beaten, her hairs were pulled out. She experienced all of this. But eventually, she came back to Christ, and she gave her life to Christ. And today, she runs a ministry uh, that is specially towards people who are into who are sex trafficking and prostitution and all that. So she ministers to that kind of group. So look at her life. That one friendship, that one relationship, that one boyfriend changed the course of her life forever. In fact, if you, if you read about her full testimony, you will literally be in tears. 
I presented her life story in one of the papers I did in college for my ethics class. And I tell you, half of my class were in tears hearing this lady's story. Because one man changed the course of her life forever. Now, if, if she could have found out that he is manipulating, he's deceiving, imagine how much more different her life could have been. This, is, this can be the story of anybody. Anybody, you know, even in this place, you might have a friendship that God is speaking, saying, you need to cut this person off your life, but you're saying, God, no, I like him, he's funny. I like that company, it's good for me. God says no, because God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the future. He knows how this person is going to affect you. If you ever hear a guidance, an indication from the Lord saying, cut this person off from your life, do it. Because it's a biblical thing. It's a biblical thing to avoid certain people from our life. Now, I want to list out a group of, some groups of people that you need to avoid, that the Bible really talks about. All right? Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? The first one is this. Now, the Bible talks about fools, right? The Bible talks about fools. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll come across the word fools many times. The first one we see is this, avoid a fool. Proverbs 13.20 says like this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools. What happens? They suffer harm. The companion of fools, they suffer harm. See, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say for a fool. And the word fool basically means the one who lacks common sense. So a fool can be described in a couple of ways. Okay? A fool is manipulative. You see, people who are manipulative will use words, action, to gain control of the situation around them. They use words and action so that everybody can listen to what they are saying. And they know what to say to keep you under control. They know what to say to make you pay attention to them. Okay? They know that if they give you some gifts, you will listen to them. And sometimes manipulative people will seem very generous. They will shower you with gifts. Their generosity doesn't come because they are kind, but their generosity is basically an, basically an investment. What is it? It's an investment. It's a way for them to gain something more, a way for them to gain something out of you. Now, if you leave such person, they'll be very upset with you. Why? <laughs> because their investment became a loss. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't like it at all. And, and I tell you that in the last days, as we come closer to the coming of Jesus, we will see more and more people who are manipulative. We will experience more and more manipulation. If you read Proverbs 12, 22, it basically describes what manipulation is. It, it uses the word lying lips. 12.22 says, the Lord detests lying lips. If you, if you look at manipulation, manipulation is basically a combination of lies and deception. Lies and deception. Now, if you look at Satan and his strategy, his strategy is lie and deception. John 8.44 says like this, you belong to the father, the devil who want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, what language does he speak? His native language. So his, his mother tongue is lies. Lies and deception. And let me put it this way. People who manipulate are doing the Satan's work. People who manipulate are literally doing what Satan wants them to do. That is why manipulation should never be entertained in our life in any way. If we see that people are using us, if they are giving us something so that they can keep us under control, don't take their gifts. Okay? <laughs> don't take, it, they may seem like the most generous person in the world, but what they are doing is they are trading. They're giving so that they can have control over your life. Many years ago, 
a man. There was, this was a church in Bangalore. Not our church. Let me tell you that first of all. <laughs> this was a church in Bangalore. So one day a, a, a man walked into the pastor's office and he told the pastor, Pastor, did you notice a big offering in the offering box? He said, yeah, I, I, I did, I did. And uh, the next thing was, can you allow me to speak in the church? Can you allow me to preach? So basically his point is, I've given something big. Now you give me an opportunity to preach. And the pastor, he's a very wonderful man of God. He said, please take your offering and leave. Please take your offering and leave. He, he, that man passed away recently. <laughs> there are people who do that in the church. They give a big offering so that they can get an off opportunity on stage to preach. This is manipulation. This is deception. This is using a tactic so that they can control their situation. I remember this other incident that happened. So uh, there was a church I was, I knew, I was not helping them out. You know, as a, as a Bible college student, we get to go to a lot of churches, be part of a lot of meetings, and we get to see a lot of dramas also. So there was a, a missionary group from Korea, they had come, and they belonged to a group called Jesus Only, Only Jesus. So they don't believe in the Trinity and all that. So they, you know, come with a lot of resources, financial resources, and so they will come and build a church for you, hand over the keys, hand over everything to you, and leave. Okay, they won't have any part in what you're doing, but they would like to help you build a church. So some pastors fall for it. So I remember in one service, this group had come, and I know the person who was the pastor because he was one of my teachers. I know him very well. And that particular Sunday, because this group was there, at the end he said, please wish everyone saying, Jesus only. Why? Because some extra tithes and offerings will come. Many times, you see, out of desperation, we give in to certain people. We know that they are doing something with us, but we allow ourselves to be controlled by others. Can I tell you something? If you allow yourself to be controlled by others, you will not be able to receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you allow yourself to be controlled by others' will and desire, others' thoughts and manipulations, you're no more under the control of the Holy Spirit. You lose his guidance. Because what you're doing is, the area of life that the Holy Spirit wants to govern and rule, you're handing it over to an other person. Whether you realize or not, when you are under manipulation, the word of God will not work in your heart. When you are under manipulation, the word of God will not come straight to you. I look back at those times when I was manipulated. I can tell you, preaching one sermon, such a big struggle. I never understood why. I mean, three years of seminary, I've, I've studied the Bible for five, six years at the time. I know the Bible very well, but cannot prepare one sermon. I used to struggle, I was like, God, what is happening to me? Why am I like this? Why am I not able to think clearly? Eventually, I understood where things have gone wrong. And I pleaded with the Lord and I said, God, I'm sorry that I fell into this. I tell you, God restored me. And when God restored me, my mind became clear. I, I remember those days for 20 Hours plus, I used to struggle for one sermon. Today I can put together one in 45 minutes. God helps. God, you know, when you live under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not under the manipulation of people, life is so much more different. I've learned one thing in ministry. It is not the people who provide you. Of course, people give offerings, that's wonderful. But it is not their pockets that feed you. It is the Lord who feeds you. You know, the first Sunday, our church was full. <laughs> Second Sunday, reduced. Third Sunday, it reduced. Fourth Sunday, there will be even more. I've, I've learned over the, over the years not to worry about who doesn't come, but to worry about who, who has come and to deliver the word to them. Because if people don't come, it's their loss. It's not my loss. I am doing my job faithfully, and God will reward me for that. If people don't come, it's their loss. But if people choose to come, they will be benefited. So I don't have to worry about who comes or who gives or who doesn't give. But all I have to think of is being faithful to the Lord because it is he who leads. 
Now, this is not just for ministry, but also for your personal life. You have to always think to yourself, it is not the people. Sometimes your bosses may keep you under control. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the boss may tell you, you have to finish by end of the day. If you don't finish, you will lose that. In an organization I was working before, I was always told that you have to finish this work today. If you don't finish, we have to pay fine to the tax department. And I will put all my heart and soul and finish, and at the end of the day, they'll be like, don't worry, we can submit this tomorrow. I hate that with all my heart. Be, be true to what you're saying. If, if it's tomorrow, tell me it's tomorrow. But people use manipulation, manipulative tactics to make us work extra, to trick us. And I tell you that when people use manipulation, they're speaking the language of the devil. And we have to identify that. That is why I was talking about discernment. You know, we have to identify that. Is that person manipulating me? We have to stand against that. We should not let manipulation rule our life. If we allow to, the manipulation to rule our life, the danger is we will lose the guidance of the Holy Spirit from us. Are you with me so far? You know, one important group of people who fall under this category are false prophets and false teachers. Matthew 7, 15 says like this, watch out for false prophets. Why? They come in sheep's clothing. They look nice on the outside, but inwardly they are waiting to devour you. Waiting to eat you alive. Are you with me so far? So the first kind of person that you have to avoid is a manipulative person. A person who is manipulative is also considered as a fool in the Bible. Okay? It may not sound very nice, but that is what the Bible teaches. You should avoid such people out of your life. The next kind of person is this, a self-opinionated person. Self-opinionated person. Proverbs 18.2. Proverbs 18.2. I think you've seen today, in today's generation you'll find a lot of people like this, especially on social media. Proverbs 18.2 Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in <laughs> airing their own opinions. The Bible calls a self opinionated person a fool. If you have a friend who just loves to talk but when you talk, he doesn't listen. He looks elsewhere. That's the first person you need to send away from your life. If you have a friend who is not interested in listening to you, but is interested in telling all that they have done, and they want you to listen, that's the kind of person you have to avoid. Why is that? Because they are, first of all, very selfish. And second, you don't matter to them. All that matters is what they are. And because they are something big, they want to talk about it. <laughs> if you have such people as your friends, I tell you, there are some people who will, who will be like, can we go out to eat? And like, yeah, we'll go out. Go, you finish eating, and they'll be like, you pay the bill. <laughs> Should I have been honest and I, I don't have money, can you pay for me? No, you pay for it. And, and you cannot say no to them. If you say no to them, you will not be their friend the next time. So, so what happens is, in, especially in college circles, you have to carry money with you so that you can have friends around you. <laughs> if that's the kind of friends you have, you need to cut them off. Because, see, it's, it's better to have one friend than to have 10 selfish friends or five selfish friends. It's, it's better to have no friend at all sometimes because I, I grew up as an introvert and I hardly had very few friends. And people would mock at me saying I'm a, I'm a loner, I'm a moody person, I don't have friends and all that. People used to say all that. My, only when I went to school, I think uh, in 11th or 12th, I had like really good friends. And uh, when I came to college, then I had two, three friends. So I had lots of people in college, but still, even to this day, I just have two to three friends. 
very close, very genuine, very honest. We help out each other, we support each other. And we have been to friends for, for almost 10, 12 years now. It, it's better to have two friends who really like you and who are also broke. It's better to hang out with guys who are broke, who have no money. Let me tell you that. Because at the end of the day, you, you may buy a cup of tea and share with each other, just one cup and share with three of you, and have one bun. I don't know if you've been through that in college. I've been there. It's like we used to, used to in, our, in our hostel, we used to look under the mattress for that one rupee. And you find that one rupee or five rupees, that's like a big deal. Uh, because in Bangalore, you can get good tea for five rupees. In Bangalore, you cannot. In, in Bangalore, there will be one cheta somewhere. Every, every, everywhere there are uh, chetas, they're awesome tea. Not, not bad tea, awesome. Any time of the day, you'll get awesome tea. That's something that I miss about Bangalore. Uh, and you can, and so go out with friends, you just have a few couple of rupees, but you have a good time. Then with people who have so much money, but they will make you spend. The Bible says, avoid such people. Because they don't like you. They just like you to be there for them, not for you. They don't like you at all. So such people have to be avo avoided. So fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. They always like to speak what they think, and if you say something, they will immediately put you down. Immediately make you feel like you're a loser. They'll make you feel like a slave. Never be friends with such people. I think as I share this with you, some of you are going back and looking at your friends. You know, don't think it's an accident, but it's the Lord refining your friendships, your relationships. You have good friendship, good relationship. You have one friend who is loyal to you more than enough. You can, you, can, you can live a good life. Then have 10 people who take advantage of you. Allow the Lord to work in your heart because I believe he's doing something today. The third kind of person you have to avoid is an unrepentant sinner. Unrepentant sinner. A fool is also a person who does not like to repent of his sins. He knows that he is sinning, but likes his sinful lifestyle. They know what they're doing is wrong. However, they don't want to come out of it. Sometimes we become friends with people so that we can save them. But when we go closer only, we realize they know what they're doing is a mistake, but they like it. And so they continue. You should never be friends with unrepentant sinner. Because you see, God will work in a person's life in a certain way over a period of time. But eventually when they, when they kind of continue in their sinful, even God will take his hand away from them. He won't keep fighting with them forever. And God takes his hand away from them and you try to win them. Can you? You cannot. You have to allow God to do his work. We cannot. When there is a person who, who, who does a mistake, sometimes we might have friends who morning they'll be holy, night they're unholy. And the next day morning they'll come to you and say, listen bro, I did this again, I'm so sorry. I don't know, I feel bad. And then you counsel them, and the same night go and do the same thing. Next day morning they'll be like pleading with the Lord. When you see a pattern like that over and over again, you should understand that this person is an unrepentant sinner. They don't want to change. They like their lifestyle and they like to continue in that. So that sort of a person must be avoided. Are you with me so far? So three kinds of people we've seen so far. The first one is manipulative. Second, self-opinionated person. Third, unrepentant sinner. The fourth one is this. A dis divisive person. Divisive person. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Titus 3, 10 to 11. It says like this, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. In the New Testament, in the book of Titus, the Bible gives us very specific instruction on how to deal with people in the church. If you look at that word divisive here, it comes from the Greek word 
which when it's translated means heretic. Heretic is a person who have opinion about everything that is taught in the church. So the pastor will teach something, but they'll have an opinion about what the pastor teaches. It's basically a person who divides the church based on their opinion, which means basically after the service is over, You know, it's okay to critically analyze the pastor's sermon. That's perfectly all right. But analyzing it in a way where you draw certain people away from listening to the sermon, that is bad. You can critically analyze and give suggestions. But to analyze it in a way and say, don't listen to that man, <laughs> that is wrong. So Paul says, warn such person once. And then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. If they persist, if they continue, disconnect from them. The Bible says, have nothing to do with them. Now this may seem rude, it's like, why? Aren't we supposed to be the body of Christ where we welcome broken people and all kinds of people irrespective of what they've done? The next verse gives an explanation. Titus 3.11 says, you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. In other words, the reason why this person is divisive is because they are an unrepentant sinner. They're continuing to live in their sinful life. So they're basically, they're cunning and they're living in their sinful life. So this attitude of dividing people comes out of that lifestyle. So when you see people who are divisive in the church, you have to warn them. It's very important, and I can tell you it's a very hard thing to do because many, many years ago, when we first began, we had such people. I was a young pastor then, 2016. I'm also young now, but I was 24 when I came into ministry. So this, this used to actually take place, and I was clueless. I didn't know what to do with it, but as I read this verse, you know, reading this verse is one thing, putting into practice as a whole another. It's like, how can I as a pastor? pastor say, please leave the church because you're dividing. Because this used to happen, you know, this used to take place in church. But when I look at the word of God, as I look back at certain situations that have happened in the year 2017, I, could have, I would have saved a lot of headache if I dealt with that person then. Now they're not in church anymore. Don't wonder and don't think who's that person. <laughs> because they're not in church, I'm speaking freely. Okay, even if they listen to the live stream, I'm not worried because they know who they are. Okay. There are people like this, you know, who are, who are dividing churches, dividing the body of Christ. Critically analyze the pastor's sermon, but don't take away a group. The Bible says, says such people have to be disconnected, have nothing to do with them. I, I, I wonder how does that make you feel? How does a sermon like this make you feel? It's easy to talk about love, but the Bible is all about tough love. It's not about love that embraces everything, but a love that does the right thing. Love that does the right thing. All right, the last one, the last one is avoid a person who has an uncontrollable temper. If your friend is a short-tempered man, please say goodbye to him. <laughs> because both of you may be going in the car and something happens on the road, he will get out of the car and pick a fight. And you will be the most innocent person sitting next to him, but you will also go to jail with him. Why? Because you were there with him. <laughs> a short-tempered person gets into trouble. And the Bible says, Proverbs 22 verse 24 to 25, I don't have this verse on screen, but I would like you to turn to that passage. Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25. Says like this, says like this do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. If you have a friend who picks up a fight, sometimes such people may seem good to you because you go somewhere, you see going, something going wrong. It may seem wonderful to have such people around you. 
right? Because they stand for the truth. <laughs> but you cannot stand for the truth everywhere. Uh, read the news, you'll get to know about road rage. As one guy comes out to beat, another guy beats and, they, and gets murdered there on the road, broad daylight. Just a fit of anger, just a fit of anger. I, I don't know, sometimes I think it's with men. The moment we hit our accelerator, we become, I don't know, an F1 racer or something that we believe the road belongs to us. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I hate people taking the wrong directions on the road. Like, they have to go, they want to go to the right side, but they'll start on the left side of the road, okay? It's a basic rule, driving rule, that if you have to go to the right side, be on the right side of the road and then turn to the right. But it happens in Bendurville all the time. From the right side, one end of the road, they will cross the full. There's one guy who went on full circle here. Just you know. <laughs> Like, why do you have to do that? It's common sense. When we see all that, our blood boils, but here's what we must do. We must learn to be quiet. We must learn to be quiet. Because if we allow our anger to rule us, we will always be in a dangerous place. You look at the murders that happen today, out of anger. Honor killings in Hyderabad um, from different castes and community, they got married and the, the, the boy was killed in broad daylight, just murdered, beaten with rods. It's, it's all anger. We have to look at our friends, we have to look at the company that we are in. Are they calm people? Are they peaceful people? Please hang out with them. But if they are not peaceful, if they always get angry for every little thing, they always get upset with them, disconnect from them. Teach them that he or she cannot continue this way. The Bible says, do not associate with one easily angered or, or what will happen? You may learn their ways, you will also become angry. <laughs> That's the worst thing. And get yourself ensnared. So avoid such people. So totally we have seen five people. The first one is manipulative. Second, self-opinionated person. Third, I'm hearing too many points. Third one, unrepentant sinner. Fourth is divisive. And fifth one is a person with an uncontrollable anger. A person who cannot keep their emotion under control. Avoid them. Avoid them. Even if it's a person who cries for every little thing, you know, just go off into depression, something happens, get, <laughs> they lose one, two marks. You know. They'll behave as if they lost their life and then they cannot study anymore. I, I remember a friend of mine in 10th standard, she got 97 and I spoke to her mother and she said, oh, my daughter is crying. I was like, 97 and crying? Why? Because she didn't get 99. I tell you, some of my classmates got just pass and they were having parties. They were rejoicing. They were so happy that they passed. I tell you, sometimes we take life so seriously, so seriously, we end up with blood pressure, end up with so many kinds of sickness in our bodies. We have to learn to rejoice in the life that God has given. Good or bad, sometimes we may work really hard for something and something unexpected, unexpected might come. It's okay, praise God for it. Rejoice in what God has given you. Because when God is the master of your life, I tell you, even the unexpected things is your blessing, is for your good. Learn to embrace everything in life. Don't try to be like, you know, I just want this. There are, there are people who are still praying, saying, God, this, this one man, he, he, this happened in Chennai. He went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I just want a girl who is just white, fair skin. And the pastor said, there's a leprosy hospital. You can go there. You'll find some. True story. <laughs> there are people who are just praying, saying, uh, the girl I want to marry should be just this right height. And some even pray bad prayers, you know. They should get good dowry. So as long as the dowry is good, they want to get married to that person. They're praying exactly. You may not get the exact thing, but you'll get the heavenly gift. Whatever God gives you, it is a good thing. Sometimes people live with this thinking that, and, and, and what I see, what I see over the years is that they grow lonely and lonely, and they have no one around them 
even in the time of pain to comfort them and they will pray say god why didn't you give why did you do this for me i did so much for you god will say listen i already sent you a person but you were trying to look at all the specifications what is her height what is her skin color what is her dowry and missed everything god has something in store for us i tell you if we can learn to be careful in our friendships in our relationships and learn to apply biblical principles we will have a wonderful peaceful and a joyful life amen can we stand up in prayer stand up in prayer i do believe that there are some who the lord has convicted about the friendships that you have and for some he's convicted you about the relationship that you are in ask the lord tell him jesus tell him tell him take away this person from my life take away this person who's leading me in the wrong path sometimes you might say pastor i understand everything you're saying but i cannot leave this person it's not so easy as i was reading this story of this lady whom i shared with you a girl who turned into a prostitute and then she came to the lord in her story she says that her pimp her her boyfriend at that time who was basically selling her for money one day heard that she was about to leave him and he got so mad and he got so mad he took this lady opened the trunk of his car put her inside and he said i'm going to kill you and i'm going to throw you away i'm going to throw you away so he took her put her in the trunk shut the trunk and he started his car but this lady inside the trunk remember this old song that she heard in church she began to sing jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so as she began to sing the song that man stopped the car he got out of the car opened the trunk and let her go he said go i don't want to see you ever again you may say that i don't know how to come out of this friendship pastor it's difficult for me i don't know how to come out of this relationship i feel like i'm obligated to that person you see no matter who helps you in life you're not obligated to them they do not own you they may have given you the most expensive gifts or they may have treated you well but you are not obligated to anyone you are only obligated to the word of god when you come to the lord when you give your life to the lord your obligation is to what the word says if the bible says cut off that friendship even if it's a person who has given you a lot cut it off cut it off even if it's a person who has helped you in your tough time but is actually spoiling your life today cut them off you are not obligated to any man or any person stop thinking that way i believe this word is coming strong for someone very specific very specific and the lord i believe the lord wants you to know that don't take what you've heard as something that's just just another sermon but as a word of warning because for some of you the lord has been warning several times about your friendships about your relationships but you've not given it up and probably this might be the final warning to some and then you may not hear the word of the lord what are you going to do then do not harden your heart 
if you hear the voice of the lord today change today is the time now is the time repent break away from friendships that are toxic that are destroying your life it's better to have no friend than to have a friend who is taking you away from the lord it's okay to be lonely because i tell you when you're walking in the truth when you're living according to the word you're never really alone god goes before you his angels go before you you may not see it you may not experience it the world will call you a lonely person a depressed person the world will say things at you but deep inside you know that the one who is with you and is in you is greater than anyone in this world and i tell you church god wants you to live that life stop living your life thinking i need to have more friends i need to be more social no you will have the right amount of friends but if you're desperate running after people you'll always end up with a manipulative deceptive lying unrepentant sinner ask the lord to help you ask the lord to change you today and and as you ask the lord i tell you he will strengthen you strengthen your heart and he will strengthen your mind can you look into the lord ask him jesus help me help me jesus help me jesus i want to be different create in me a clean heart change me forever so that i will live according to your word i will live according to your word help me lord help us in jesus name we pray amen and amen amen i feel like emphasizing this you are not obligated to any person they may have helped you they may have done something for you but if they are destroying the, your life it's not like like you have a debt to repay no you don't have to you don't have to be obligated to any person see be grateful to people that's all now gratefulness doesn't mean you have to listen to their every command it doesn't mean grateful means just be grateful if there's only one person you should listen to and be obligated to is god alone is the holy spirit that's all if you can live your life that way you can live in freedom some of you have lost your freedom some of you are controlled by the people around you don't be like that don't be like that i'll don't allow a man to dictate you in the book of galatians paul says if i were still pleasing men i would not be a servant of christ which means if your life is controlled by somebody you are a people pleaser don't do that god doesn't like that all that god wants you to do is be pleasing to him and be obligated to him be grateful to the people that helped you but never bow down to them amen shall we close our eyes for the benediction may the love of the father and the grace of our lord jesus christ and the sweet fellowship of the holy spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore amen and amen, amen.